Welcome to the Fit to Talk podcast. Thank you for putting up with us as we bring you some meaningful, helpful, and accurate information in the most deliciously daring way. I hope you enjoyed my podcast voice. I really gave it some podcast voice on that one. Um, we try and make your day just a little bit better, and we have to remind you, as always, fitness doesn't have to be boring. That's right, and you are listening to one of our guest episodes, during which we're joined by incredible guests who let you in on how they stay well in their lives and careers. Bobby, would you care to introduce our guest? You've gone very posh. I would love to. Let's, you are welcome. Let's do this. Let me find my notes. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so today's guest will soon be appearing in Top Hat at the Miller Sonning. Her previous credits include Cinderella, 42nd Street and Funny Yarl. According to Spotlight, she's skilled at abseiling, climbing <laughs> and horse riding slash jumping. <laughs> 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 it's the brilliantly talented Leah Harris. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> I have so many questions about yeah. the CV. Yeah. <laughs> Was it horse riding slash just jumping? Like just in general, yeah, just not on a horse. <laughs> just just you jumping, highly skilled. I'm a, I'm a great jumper. <laughs> you need someone to jump in this show. I am. I'm your gal. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got. I got a full but two meter standing jump on me. Oh <laughs> I don't think I've looked at that section of my CV since college. <laughs> I oh, love it when people. It's do always that. the best. The skills, the skills are the best. That's not that bad. We've had some yeah. crazy Have stuff. <laughs> Although doing this podcast did make me go back to mine and delete about seven things. Yeah, I am actually now wondering yeah, what's on mine. Like we should. Do, I I did have some accents on there that I swiftly took off. Things like German. I was like, uh, nope. <laughs> Can't that's, do that now. Nope. That's, that's not for me. How are you? Are you I'm well? Very well. Yeah, I'm very well. This is an amazing flat white. Ah, well, it's a lovely coffee shop, mm. which we we record in a coffee shop. We do not in the actual coffee shop because that would be weird. Yeah, we'd have a lot of background noise. It's a very good start to my Sunday. Indeed. Well, before we start properly, I've got a little request. Ooh. It's a little part of our show, which is now the entire show, called uh, Liar Liar. And uh, we would love it if at some point during this podcast, you could try and slip in during conversation one little lie. Hopefully quite a clear one, because we've done a terrible job of guessing so far. Yeah, I need to pay attention. I need also, to pay attention. jumping and abseiling are lies. Okay. <laughs> oh, Remember imagine. That. Write that down, write that down. Yeah. Imagine... If That's dedication. That would have been great if you'd updated your spotlight ahead of time to put in a lie. Oh, I've given people ideas. Oh, that's wild. Um, so if you're willing to do that, uh, as we've said previously, the bar is quite low because about half of our guests do forget to lie. But that's we'd true. like listeners to try and guess alongside us our attempts at guessing at some point at the end okay. what we think the lie was. How's that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> bloody marvellous. In <laughs> which case, bloody. <laughs> you said I've gone very posh. I'm yeah. going to continue to go even more posh for today. Uh, <laughs> Leah, how does the story of your life begin? Well. <laughs> <laughs> you look so terrified, much. right? So <laughs> the story of my life. Okay, well, I guess I've always just been a little bit nerdy, always love singing, always love musicals, always love dancing. I guess always love fitness to a point, but like I was brought up in a... Um, a seaside town so it was always like more outdoor based so I loved like walking and I did at one point enjoy abseiling but that was very very, very <laughs> long ago <laughs> highly skilled I would say <laughs> so where, where where did you grow up 
In Weymouth. In Weymouth. Weymouth. Famous Weymouth. Famous Weymouth. That's, Olympics that's a Weymouth. Tongue twister if ever I've heard one. Famous Weymouth. Famous Weymouth. Famous, Famous Weymouth. Weymouth. <laughs> um, oh God, warm ups are, are new. So uh, when you were growing up in Weymouth, this beautiful seaside town, mm-hmm. uh, and the 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 walking, etc. When you were in primary school. Did you start dancing then? Were you like an early? Yes, she's yeah. not. Ooh. I did really, really young. Ah. Very, very young. I was like one of the three-year-olds that was like galloping around the dance studio like in reins because that was all that we could do at that age. Oh. <laughs> Giving it good toes, naughty toes. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> and I always remember my brother had the most amazing feet and I was so jealous because I couldn't point my toes when I was a kid and my brother was just there with these like amazing ballerina feet. He's going to kill me for putting this on the podcast. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> and he went to a few lessons and was like, this is not for me. I was like, can I just have your feet then? Because yeah, as a kid, I was like, no, that's what I see in the ballets. <laughs> wow. So super early. And was that experience, you know, because everybody has a different experience when they're a kid um, doing this uh, dance training. Was it really, really strict or were they like, hey, you know, have a good time and, and uh, go from corner to corner at your own, own pace? <laughs> no, I feel like my teacher was very strict, but I feel like I really appreciate that now because she was definitely somebody who was really, um, she was just very on it. So I think even as kids, we learned discipline. And I think that was like the one thing that I feel like is undervalued sometimes in going to dance classes is actually you don't just learn how to dance. You learn how to work as a team. You learn discipline. You learn to be told how to wear your uniform. And like, I think that's something that she was very, very, very good at. Um, but there was another teacher at my dance school who was like super cool and like perhaps a bit of a hippie. And she was definitely like, just feel the music and love dancing. <laughs> so I think perhaps the school was pretty great because it had a really nice balance of both things. Yeah, best of both worlds right there. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And also, like, I, I don't know which one I want to be in. Maybe, maybe both. <laughs> maybe both. <laughs> Although the idea of just having to feel the music with no choreography makes me want to cry. Um, so, so I'm not sure. But I, I, I really like the idea that that's we haven't thought about that really before on the podcast that that's where you learn that discipline it's the mm. same with martial arts and yeah. um, boxing as well you know they say the same thing you you know you take kids off the street however you want to say it it was the certainly the case when I was doing martial arts and, and get people in there and teach them the rules and they have to stick mm. by the rules like how you look after you inform how you treat other people respect and respect for the craft mm-hmm. so, so that there's something more important than you that probably means that you're quite a good dancer now still right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I like to think so, but there's definitely much, much better dancers out there as well. <laughs> oh, there's always someone yeah. better. <laughs> there's much better podcasts I out there. How <laughs> <laughs> you listened, Bobby? <laughs> yes. How exciting! So, from that young age, you were like, "Oh, I love this thing." Were you doing it quite often mm. throughout the week? Like, yeah, really often. I think um, I definitely did like ballet, tap. Jazz. I did all of like the ISTD grades growing oh, yes. up as a kid and I'd always Classic. get involved with the school musicals and I had singing lessons and I, I just loved all of it. And it was like as soon as school finished, that was like the one thing that I just couldn't wait to get down and do. And I remember my first day at Bird, looking at my timetable, or the day before my first day at Bird, just looking at my timetable and being like, oh, I can't believe that my days now are filled with like ballet, then tap, then jazz, then voice, then singing. Then it was just the most amazing thing just to be able to do all of that every single day. That excitement, actually, you've just sort of reminded me of that, uh, like that moment from, for me, I'd completely forgotten. It's such a, you transported me back there with your dulcet tones. Um, at that moment where you realise, oh, this can be my life now, mm. if I'm, if I'm lucky. Uh, yeah. But at least mm. for the time you're at that college where you go, wow, this is, 
this is it. Now you mentioned briefly, you said earlier on, um, I'm, I was quite nerdy. Then you said that you liked dancing and singing. Is that a separate thing or did you mean that you were nerdy because you liked dance and, dance oh, and singing? Uh, probably a bit separate. I always think I was like a bit of a geek at school and like, <laughs> Same. it was quite Same. quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What were your <laughs> classic question? What were your favourite topics, subjects at school? My favourite subjects at school I always really loved English and reading. I wasn't good at, well, I was all right, but it was something that I just really like enjoyed reading and enjo- enjoyed storytelling. And I guess that's marries quite well with musical theatre and mm. what we do now. Um, <clears throat> but sorry, what was the question again? What were your favourite subjects? Oh, my favourite yeah. subjects. Oh, always like the physical ones as well. Pis- uh, PE and dance and drama. You had dance at school. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah, cool. I was very lucky. I think it was always part of PE, but then I did GCSEs and I did do dance GCSE. Oh, I always wanted to do the dance GCSE. That would have been, <laughs> that would have been awesome. Big up famous Weymouth. Yeah. That Go is. on, Weymouth. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Get your GCSEs I'm out. I'm pretty sure I had dance GCSEs. Yeah. Well, I remember doing dance classes. Maybe they do offer them. Yeah, they do A-level. offer them. Yeah, uh, places that normally colleges, right, that would yeah. do um, GCSE stuff. I, I I just went to a state school, and so there was like. Nothing. Yeah, it was, it was. It's a state school, but it um, was outdoor education, like specialist in like PE and outdoor oh. stuff. Oh, that's cool. I've, yeah, I've not so heard. I of can't it. remember what it was. The that, actual title. They're relatively yeah, new. Okay. As in, like when I was in school, they they just started sort of creating this idea that you'd have specialist state mm. schools because yeah. about three years after I left, my school became a specialist in drama. Oh, okay. After I bloody left, wasn't it? Um, but you were the inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's weird, actually. In a school, there was a, in each year above me for three years and two years below me, there was at least one person who went to a sort of prestigious London drama school from there. So they obviously had wow. some kind of structure, yeah. right? And most of those people are in the industry now doing something fantastic mm-hmm. um, that puts my career to shame. <laughs> 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 I'm not uh, jealous at all. No. It's all right. I went to school with Andrew Garfield and he's doing fairly well. Who? <laughs> I remember the day I found out he was uh, going to be Spider-Man. I'd just been cut from a Sean the Sheep audition. <laughs> <laughs> I walked out and I saw the notification on my phone. I was like, great, cool. Okay, yeah. His career's going well. I can share that with you because you did go to my drama school like three years before me as well. So I'm like, I was like, huh, great. Uh, so that's our common, yeah, that's <laughs> a com- common enemy. That's a- <laughs> I hate slash love Andrew Garfield. I love him. I hate him. Um, so from this point, you loved all these to- uh, um, topics. I keep saying topics, subjects at school. But did you all already know that that's what you wanted to do? I feel like if you loved this stuff that much mm. from that young age, was it obvious that it would be a career? No, definitely wasn't obvious, not at all. I think, um, I don't think I ever actually believed I could do it. You know, when you go and see shows and you just think, oh my goodness, these people are so incredible, but it just felt like such a dream coming from a small town. And I think it just felt a little bit when I was younger, like, could I actually do this for a living? Would that be something that I would actually be capable of doing? Um, and my family was always just the most incredibly supportive family. So I feel really grateful to them for that because they, I think they always believed in me, but then it was just a case of like going through my A-levels and sort of always thinking in the back of my mind, what would I do if I didn't get into a college? What would I do? And I loved biology and science and things. So I was sort of started to apply to universities to do a degree 
in biology and or maybe something to do with science and and then thankfully I got into a few colleges and thought okay that's fine I can I can just keep following this path and um, I went to bed and made sure I got a degree just in case I couldn't work and then at least I'd have like <laughs> something to fall back on yeah. um, but I was kind of excited about the idea of going to university and doing something academic but I think I've always just had I can't sit still I don't know how I'd ever actually manage to have a career that was perhaps not quite as active. <laughs> so I think it's probably a good thing. I'm the same. I feel like I, I get really passionate about the idea of doing those things, right? Mm. Like, for instance, biology for you, um, for me, other things. And, and then I'm like, oh my God, I'd love it. And I know that I would fully apply myself for probably four months. Yeah. And then I'd be like, hmm. <laughs> What else is there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I found the same even when I do like out of work acting jobs that sort of after a, a really brief period of time, mm. once I feel like I maybe have learned everything there is to learn from that job, which might pr- not be true, but once I feel that mm. way, then I'm like, hmm, what, what next mm. now? Whereas yeah. this is the only thing that keeps me kind of going or actually fitness now is uh, an, an addition to that. Yeah. But um, sorry, just a little snippet of my life jumping in. <laughs> Finding, finding that common ground. I, I love that you said um, that thing of going, I have something to fall back on because mm. it was something my parents, mm. who are also really, really supportive. I, I don't know about you, Bobby. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, really supportive in that thing. But they were like, hey, you might want to consider what happens if you don't get in mm. to these places, you know, because there's however many thousands of people apply and you exactly. don't get in. And you're like, oh, God, what do I what do? I do? How did you, do you remember how you sort of faced that? Did you go, okay, if I don't get in, I'll wait a year or, or did you have other options? Mm. Were you definitely going to do the biology? I don't, I don't know. I never, I don't think a gap year at that time was something that I was passionate about. I know a lot of people mm. leave A-levels and all they want to do is travel. And I don't think, I was still very much like focused on what I wanted to do career-wise. So I don't think a gap year was anything I considered. So probably if I hadn't got in, it is likely I would have probably gone to university I think um I'm very very grateful that I did get because <laughs> it would have been wrong I think and I I don't know if I would have perhaps actually enjoyed what I was doing or done a degree and then been like no this is the wrong thing for me I need to go and audition again and you know perhaps but I'm very grateful that thankfully that never that didn't happen <laughs> and what made you choose bird you said you had a choice uh, so well this okay so the it was two people, probably. Um, someone called Ebeli Molina, who is, you guys probably know of her in the industry. Poppy's nodding. She, she's, amazing. Yeah. she's amazing. She's <laughs> amazing. So Ebony was from Weymouth, or is from Weymouth. And I'd always, she was at the same dance school as me. And I'd always, she was kind of one of the older girls who I always looked up to. And I was like, God, she's just so incredible. And then we always used to come up and see her in shows. And her family is so lovely. And it was just, she was always really kind and supportive to me. And I think... I was like, I want to go where Ebony's gone. And then there was another lady um, called Emily Hardy who also went to Bird, who was probably similar age to Ebony, I think. And she went away and worked for a while and then she came back to Weymouth and she taught me for quite a while leading up to me auditioning for colleges. And she was incredible and she had so much knowledge about how to audition for shows, uh, sorry, for colleges. And I think 
I just wanted to go where those two people had been because they were kind of the people that I looked up to. So it was quite an easy decision for me. I kind of, I think Bird was my second audition. I had maybe six colleges that we'd paid to audition for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I was like, Mum, I got into Bird. I don't need to go now. Yeah. <laughs> it was like all this money down Great. the drain. But thankfully, you know, I think it was, it was just a no brainer for me that if I got in there mm. on the degree course as well, because that was kind of something that narrowed my options of colleges because I only wanted to go somewhere that I could get a degree just yeah. because that felt quite important yeah. for that backup plan. <laughs> well, so these wonderful teachers taught you how to audition for um, drama schools. How do you think that's translated to you as a performer now auditioning for shows? Like, How do you manage the madness that is oh my goodness. the audition process? <clears throat> I don't think anything can prepare you for the madness of audition processes. <laughs> like now I just think the amount of auditions I've been into and been like, I can't believe that that just happened. Yeah. Or I can't believe I was asked to do that. Or, you know, there's it's just they're getting more and more bizarre, I think. Sometimes I'm like, oh, wow, that's a thing now. So I think drama school auditions were I was very nervous but I was not nervous in the same way as I've been to get work I think drama school just felt like if I don't get it then it's not meant to be whereas now it's like okay I've committed to this life I've committed to being an actor and being a singer and a dancer and I need to work so now it's not a case of like okay you get in and you go and follow this path it's now a case of you've got to get this job because you need to pay your rent and you need to you know it feels it I think auditions now feel much more stressful or certainly did when I first graduated. Um, perhaps now I think I've chilled out a little bit more purely because I've realised that um, I don't guess you don't get anywhere if you get going stressed. And I think that my best auditions have always been the jobs that I've not been too, I've all, you know, you go into auditions because you want to work, but sometimes you go into an audition and you're way more keen than you are for mm. another one. And I think the ones that I go into and I'm perhaps less excited by seem to be the ones that then happen and I, I know that that's because they're the ones that I go into just like okay let's see what you know I'm just going to do what I can do and if that's not good enough it's not good enough whereas the ones you go in and you're well for me the ones I go into and I'm stressed I'm like I crack or I I sweat so much or my legs start shaking and it's just <laughs> it's just so frustrating and I'm stood there and my little knees are going and I'm like I promise I can normally sing this song <laughs> so but yeah, I don't. I don't think that anything can prepare for auditions. And yeah, I I know that you, Bobby, you're sat there listening to that, going, "That's my experience too." Hundred percent, my experience. It's absolutely yeah. mine as well. Like yeah. this is something I think that performers sort of share with each other mm -hmm. all the time, but we don't really talk about to other people. That you know, like you always get the jobs that you're far more calm mm -hmm. going into, and mm -hmm. I think it's easy to understand in in theory, but actually, it's really hard to fix. Oh, so hard. Like, how do you? How do you deal with that um, emotion then when you are going for something that is something that you, you know, might get to the point where you even desperately want? How do you try and manage that? I think, well, for me, like yoga and meditation have become a huge, huge part of my fitness journey and like my mental health and wellness journey. And I think for me, like making sure that I just take deep breaths before I go into an audition. And like I've been practicing meditation for a few years now. And I think for me, making sure that I just go in and I'm, I have done that kind of bit of breathing before I go in. And then I also just think, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? You crack and you don't get the job. Like it's, it's just, I think it's so easy when you first graduate to put so much pressure on making sure you get these jobs and you're doing well for your agent and you're proving to yourself that it was worth all the risks that you've taken and all the money you've invested. And I think perhaps just being able to sit back and be like, okay, 
what's the worst that's going to happen has been my kind of journey with that. But definitely yoga and meditation is mm. like an absolute saviour to me. <laughs> Massively. Yeah, I love that. Like, it's so easy to kind of think so far down the line with an audition. Like, you go in and you're like, okay, if I muck this up, they're never going to see me again. They do this show. I'm never going to be seen for that show. I'm never going to work again. And you're like, no, just like look at that one that one brief moment and go, okay, no, what's... But like you said, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. Yeah, they don't remember you anyway, most of them. <laughs> I've done some terrible auditions. I hope they don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, let's not, let's not delve down that rabbit hole. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned yoga and meditation. How did you come to find those practices? Um, I think I worked on a cruise ship when I first graduated, and I loved it so much, but I really struggled to be away from home, and sometimes I felt like it was quite a lot for me mentally and I felt like I just needed something that kind of it's also a very intense environment I don't know mm. if either of you have worked on a ship before but it's very no. very intense and you're not really in control of your life and I think that I found that quite hard and one of the amazing people that I was working with was training to be a yoga teacher and so she would go up onto deck and she'd practice and she kind of introduced me to it and I found it the most incredible thing because if I was missing my family or if I was feeling anxious or anything then it just seemed to fix it, even very much temporarily. But at that point, I just felt better and I felt calmer and it was really lovely. And I think that that's then something that I could practice while I was away. And I found the benefits to, of it just to be incredible. And then kind of coming back, I made sure that I kind of kept it up as much as I could. And also physically for your body, it's just... it. I, I think my first West End show was Funny Girl. And it was quite hard on for my body to do eight shows a week initially. Mm. And so for me, going to a yoga class before going to the show was like a really lovely, gentle way to warm up my body and just to like be calm. Because I do think as well, living in London, is just like the stimulus constantly is <laughs> overwhelming. And I don't realise it until you got, I go on holiday and I come back and I'm like, oh, wow, this place is, it's, it's just constant, isn't it? It's so busy. So for me, that's like an hour out of my day that I just go and I'm calm and I, I kind of forget that I live in London for a little while. Yeah, I was. I mean, you said earlier you walked up Brick Lane to get here, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if there's ever stimulus. Yes. Oh my God, I'm heading Sunday. straight yeah. back down there. I've yeah. seen so much on that lane that I was like, oh, I need to buy all of this. I kind of love it. Yeah, yeah, especially when the market's open. It is mm. madness. If you're, if you're in a place where being around people mm. is going to make you anxious, then mm. it's the wrong place to be. Mm. But it is kind of awesome. But you're now a yoga teacher, right? Yes. So yeah. you took that practice and something that you loved and found a use in for both career and personal sort of wellness and decided to learn how to teach it. How mm. did you go about that? What perhaps what sparked that decision? I think over lockdown, I mean, I found that I certainly had a lot of time to think and about like what was important to me and what I want to do next. And I think I adore theatre and I still want to continue doing it, but I felt like I need something as well to do when I'm not in a show. And I think mm. eventually something that... I need to plan to do, you know, maybe when my body can't handle being a dancer anymore. Um, so I have been training with two people called Gemma Soul and Chris McGee, who are, I just think are two of the best yoga teacher teachers I've ever been to. And they were running a course that fit exactly the right time that I needed it to be. And it was in London. So, you know, for the sake that we couldn't really leave the country, it was perfect. <laughs> so I trained with them and it was incredible. And I learned so much. And I think... I just feel like the benefits for my body and my brain, I just want to share with as many people as I can. And I think I talk quite a lot over lockdown. I did the training um, 
I think it was December 2020, I think. It was the beginning of the last lockdown anyway. You know, the January lockdown that we had. I started teaching online then. Yeah. (laughs) And I kind of did like... Lockdowns have become classic. It's like series two of something. You're like, lockdown two, you know the one? Oh, yeah, Yeah, it got got a bit worse. Yeah, we're going to power rank the lockdowns. (laughs) (laughs) Lockdown one was the best. Lockdown one was the best. It was. Three and a half months, a whole bunch of people died. It was really, really devastating. (laughs) You know, it's like oh season one of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Unexpected events. It was really traumatizing. And yet here we are. We'll power rank it and bring you some joy. So, so it, it was in December. <laughs> Sorry to anyone listening to this who is traumatized by that. I'm dealing with that trauma with humor. And so, uh, you started to learn, uh, do that course in December of that. Yes. Uh, and then we basically finished the course the day before we went into that next lockdown. So then I was like, right great, this is a chance for me to start teaching. So I did weekly classes for that whole lockdown for free. It was kind of charity donation just because that felt like the right thing at the time. And I think I loved it so, so much. And it was amazing. Like I felt it was so lovely to share that with people. Um, And I think then I went into a show kind of as we were coming out of lockdown, which then consumed a lot of my life and I didn't really have the time to start teaching in person. So that's something that I want to start possibly from January this year. Um, once once Top Hat's done, I'd really love to start teaching in person and start building that yoga um, community because I think that's just where my next passion lies, I think. That's so fascinating. Both you and Bobby, you had the, a similar experience, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but of sort of starting a, a fitness a business, I suppose, if mm. we're being really specific, you know, originally for for free right yep. of um you know you Leah you did yoga classes we had the you had the bakery mm-hmm. Bobby but Leah what was that experience like of suddenly seeing people on a screen and sharing this sort of physical and mental practice with them but but through a screen mm. yeah it was very strange because obviously 50% of being a yoga teacher really is being able to adjust your students so it was very odd to me to not be able to kind of adjust people in their po- in their mm. postures and i think that was that was annoying and frustrating because I was like, oh, I just want to be able to get in and help. But also it was just so lovely because at that time people weren't really doing yoga to perhaps they were doing it to further their practice. But it was also just like taking an hour out of their day just to do something for themselves. And it wasn't necessarily about becoming better and becoming stronger and to a point maybe, but actually it was more just like, okay, just forget everything that's happening and how scary and horrible things are right now and actually just have that time for you, I suppose. So I think that's something that I'm excited to be able to do in person is actually be able to like help people get stronger and, Mm. and yeah, that's kind of the next thing now. Yeah. I feel like I, I sort of face that challenge when you work with people online quite a lot and, um, I'm assuming it was similar that I had to learn really quickly to find different ways to get the same outcome. Yeah. (laughs) And you go, okay, well, I can't just move you. Yeah. I mean, I can't go, this is what it should feel like. So... I'm going to have to describe this better or, or yeah, use totally. visuals or, or, yeah. or demonstrate in different ways or send people different different stuff. And you're like, it's suddenly a different kind of work mm. you suddenly have to put in to go, oh my God, I need to find all the different mm. ways. And actually what I've found is that certain people respond better to that than mm. some of the other things. So there are some bonuses but uh, yeah, and some maybe skills that we've picked up because of it, yeah. uh, which hopefully will feed through into when yeah. you start doing things in person as well. I but, did find it quite frustrating sometimes with being like 
on Zoom and then your doorbell going off or like somebody's not <laughs> muted themselves or yes. like all of these things that your internet connection cuts out halfway through or you start Shavasana yeah. and you put on this lovely song and then bing, 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 and my phone goes off and I'm like, oh, I forgot to put it on silent. You yeah. know, this things like that that was obviously would hopefully not happen in a class, but on Zoom. Oh, no, it always happens so in a class. Ha- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes wrong in a class. Yeah. Do you know what? What I really appreciate is an, a, fe- a feature that Apple has got now is that it has learnt that every single time I have an appointment in from this app called Calendly, so, um, so basically whenever people have an appointment booked in for a session, it turns my phone automatically onto work mode. So wow. And then it turns it off at the end of the session. Creepy, do, but yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I do love the new focus modes. Focus mode. That's so good. <laughs> focus mode. Nobody can call me except for this person. <laughs> if they, they call work. me three times in a row, then they get through. Yes, yeah. It's true. Uh, but I haven't told anyone that. So. <laughs> I better be on that list. <laughs> then three times in a row. Something, it's something like you that. Can say, you can yeah. set how many. So like, if it's like an emergency. Yeah. If somebody oh. repeatedly calls you, then it will come through. But yeah. Very handy. I'll add you to that list, Bobby. Thanks. Thanks. It's a short list. I don't call, I never call anybody. So if I'm calling you, then it is an emergency. (laughs) I don't think you've ever called me. I don't like talking on the phone. Isn't it funny how we've got to that point now where you phone a friend and they're like, hello, you okay? And you're like, no, no, I'm just calling today. You okay? (laughs) Just calling for a chat. This is an unscheduled discussion. I don't have time for this. It's not in my calendar. (laughs) I said that on the way in today. A friend of mine messaged him and was like, are you free on Thursday? And I was like, no. No, no, because that's in four days. My week is planned. Like, and they're like, yeah, there's got to be like five minutes on Thursday. I was like, no, there isn't. There's no, there's no five minutes on Thursday. You need to book me two weeks in advance if you want any of my time. Go on my website. <laughs> you joke. You joke. But I'm like, check out the Calendly, right? Which is this okay, we'll book one in. And we came to it. And it was like, okay, on the 24th, <laughs> there might be a slot between half three and half five. <laughs> but it's crazy, isn't it? Like nowadays, it's so hard to like find time to see anybody. Like you do have to book in like months in advance. Yeah. And then you get to the day and you're like, uh, I can't go. I don't want to. <laughs> Bobby did that to me like two weeks ago. What was your I Probably. He doesn't even, he doesn't even remember. It's traumatised me. We're like, let's go to the gym. Oh yeah, I did bail on going to the gym with you. It's, it's, in fairness, I was painting a room and I was, had not finished. It's true. It's true. Um, I was, you know, mortified. No, I'm not at all. Um, <laughs> Uh, however, <laughs> let's jump back a little bit to when you were in in school and living at home. Mm-hmm. What was uh, or what were family dinners like? Oh my goodness, family dinners in my house were epic. Oh. They were so good. My dad, I mean, he's an incredible, incredible chef. So, and he just loves it so much. And he did run a cafe for a while, like a restaurant as they're part of their family business, which is amazing. Nice. Um, and people would come in. It was a children's play area and adults would come in and sit there without kids because my dad's food was so good. <laughs> um, you hope so, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, Stefan. Um, <laughs> I was thinking it and you decided to say it. <laughs> Nothing is censored on the 15th podcast. <laughs> um, but it was always, we'd always sit down as a family and my dad would always cook something amazing. My mum was equally good, but she did kind of more like salads and veggies stuff and I think my dad just would kind of look in the fridge and just cook whatever was there so it was quite often my friends would be like can we come over for dinner so it always became quite a thing and and still now like my dad just in lockdown I felt terrible because I did end up going home to my family my grandma was quite poorly and so I kind of I went home just before lockdown and ended up spending lockdown at home with them which was amazing but I didn't cook for like four months because I try and get in the kitchen and my dad would be like um you okay? Can I, what do you need? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, no worries, Dad. So I'd like try and 
try and cook things when he wasn't in the kitchen, but then he'd sit there and be like, oh, would you do it like that? Oh, I would have toasted that. Or, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. Oh. So, but it's great because I feel like I've learned to cook and I love it. And as soon as I kind of have friends at my house, I suddenly realise how much I love cooking for people. Um, so I'm very grateful to my dad for that. But um, yeah, it was always good food, thankfully. That's amazing. So food from a, quite a young age became like a social yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Do you think that's still the same for you now? Obviously, you mentioned you love having people around mm. and cooking for them. When you're in a show, mm. do you have the same thing, you know, eating before a show or between shows and stuff? I Is feel that- like still at this point, I've not nailed it. <laughs> it's just impossible. You work over dinner time. Like mm. there's just, I have absolutely no drive to want to cook at three in the afternoon. <laughs> and I, I know if I cook and eat the amount of food I want to eat, then I'll be really, really annoyed with myself when I'm trying to put on a costume at 7pm. It's just, I feel like it's really tricky. And yeah. I think, I don't know very many people who have nailed it. And like, I think I tried coming home and having my big dinner, but then at 2am I'm like, oh God, I'm too full. <laughs> or eating at 4pm and just being like, well, when do I have breakfast? Because now I'm not hungry because then it's lunchtime. And then I think it's really hard. Really, really hard. And for a while, I got really into like cooking food, freezing them, coming home, unfreezing them. And then I gave myself food poisoning somehow. I'm a veggie. (laughs) Some like lentil thing. (laughs) Wait, you're vegetarian. You still managed to poison yourself. That is solid work. Wow. (laughs) Right? So, and then I. (laughs) And then it just really scared me because I thought, how did I just give myself food poisoning? That's actually impressive. So, yeah. Thank you so much. I'm it's a skill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad yeah, would no. be proud. <laughs> it taught you well. <laughs> wow. So you, you still feel like you haven't quite nailed that yet? No, absolutely have not nailed that. Nor me. Nor me. <laughs> it's, it, if anyone knows, I would love to know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tricky one because obviously, you know, when you have clients, your task is to help them find their version mm. through their stuff. Mm. So when you're personal training people... But I feel like what works for me doesn't work for a whole bunch of other people. So you end up having to just Mm. find these sort of 30 different routines slash tactics that other people have found that work for them Mm. and trying to find what will work for this person around that. What sort of tips and tricks have you found work for you? Like when do you eat and, and what do you eat on a crazy show schedule? You know, like when you were... What's the hard? What was the physically most demanding show you did? Um, probably Forty Second Street. I, I didn't want to jump yeah. in and say it just in case it was <laughs> no, incorrect. But absolutely Forty Second Street. Brutal, that was right? yeah, really tough. And I think I did. I stayed in the show for two years, and I did the same track for those two years. And I think your body gets so used to working in a certain way mm. that I didn't realise when I finished how much I how exhausted I was. And I think we, I just pushed through every single day. And I think my diet probably wasn't great then. I've, I kind of actually went to a nutritionist and realised that I was allergic to all of these foods that I was eating. Not Maybe not allergic, but certainly intolerant to. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's why I've got no energy and that I'm just not eating the right things. And as soon as I cut the stuff out that she told me to cut out, suddenly I thought, oh, I wish I'd known this two years ago when I started this job. <laughs> um, that would have been way so, easier. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I think... That um, that that show for me was the most tr- the most crazy time in my life, and trying to juggle eating around that schedule and those and the, and that track, it was just it was crazy. But I think what I found in the end was having a big breakfast at kind of eleven o'clock, and then having perhaps like a 
a big-ish lunch at four and then having a small meal when I got home. Like, I had to eat after that show. I'd get home and just would be so, so hungry. Whereas with Cinderella and Funny Girl, I wasn't quite so hungry because it wasn't as physically demanding. So, yeah, some days I just wouldn't eat when I got in and I'd always sleep better if I hadn't eaten. But sometimes there's just not the choice. If If the show's too tough, I guess you just have to. It is, it is tricky. But you're, Bobby, have you got any tips and tricks for people on that front? I have nothing. <laughs> I have, like, I have like, nothing. I still, like, I, the thing is, I, I think I find, every so often I find something that works for me, but then I go, mm. I can't do this every single day mm. because this one thing is just, I'm just going to be bored of it by the end of one week. So I think you're constantly having to find new ways mm. of looking after yourself kind of nutrition-wise and finding little things that work for you along the way. The, the, the main thing that I've found that works for me is drinking water first thing when I wake up. Mm. Oh that, God, yes. that is the, I think that's been the biggest game changer for me is like smash down some water when I wake up and I feel so much better for the rest of the day. And I think, I think that really helps with regulating my hunger and just staying hydrated because I, I, outside of a show, like when I'm in a show, I, I find it so easy to hydrate. Mm. But then when I'm at home, like on a day off, I don't hydrate anywhere near mm. as well as I do. So like having that, pint of water when I wake up is an absolute winner. Yeah, we've spoken a touch about yeah. this before for people, but uh, that changed, definitely changed my um, hydration <laughs> practices. <laughs> the hydration, <laughs> hydration practices. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I've become I don't know now. what that was. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. What? It's Ace Ventura. Oh, nice. It's, that's Strong. What, it's, that is a callback. That's like a 20-year callback. Yeah, that's like my time. He says, he's speaking to, <laughs> this is direct from a scene. If you're listening to this, pop onto YouTube right now and put in Ace Ventura. And it's when he's speaking to the really, really posh bald guy and they call him the Monopoly guy. Yep. And he says, um, oh, uh, they go, oh, he's an activist, Maguire. And he goes, an activist. <laughs> 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 so uh, there's that. That's, uh, that's a little gift for everyone today. <laughs> Go do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> go do that. Go on. Yeah, YouTube. go do that. So in terms of kind of fitness, nutrition, everything to do with wellness, is there anything that you would like to see get in the bin? Um, oh. I've been really thinking about this mm. question and I think it's really something that I've always felt strongly about and I'm so, so glad that it seems to be changing now is the shape of mannequins in shops. The fact that they're always long and skinny Mm. and thigh gap and it's just unrealistic and it's just, that really frustrates me. And I think I've worked in retail, like obviously probably most actors at some point have worked in retail. And um, (laughs) (laughs) Leah gave me a lovely Uh, wink there because because that's how we met, right? So we will jump back to that. But uh, we should say that we met in Harrods spraying perfume for people. We did. Many moons ago. Very, very fun time and surprisingly fun. Yeah, it was. Considering the job. It was a lovely group of people and we had a fantastic time. Everybody's been through Harrods. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> so it is literally, but what that was one thing we should, uh, I promise we'll jump back to your get in the bin Ooh. in a moment. But I think that's a really important thing for graduates coming out of drama school is to find something that's out of work. That I think the main benefit of that was that there were so many performers there, mm. both new grads and experienced people doing their sort of time out of work in that place, that you still had this community of performers and like-minded people around you, even when you weren't 
uh, performing. So mm. it was, you were still kind of connected to this, this industry, which uh, I think was really, really positive. Uh, anyway, I wanted to touch on that really briefly before we jump back to the mannequins. Yeah. And I think for me, it's always been something that's bothered me because I'm like, well, that's not the shape of everyone. Mm. And why should people feel like they shouldn't buy those clothes if they don't look like that? And I think it's really lovely and refreshing now to see that so many, so many businesses now seem to be adjusting their kind of mannequin, uh, what's the word? Uh, Expectations. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I feel like that's, that's definitely for me been quite a... Well, mannequins in the bin. Mannequins have gone straight in the bin. Well, mm. the the old style mannequins. Old style mannequins. Now they're getting so realistic, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> I was about to say, mannequins are so creepy now. Like they just and they put them in the creepiest places. Yeah. So you're just wandering around, and you're like, ah, just yeah. a mannequin, Jesus. <laughs> and there was there was something positive about them not looking quite human previously, yeah. <laughs> because at least I knew they weren't human. And yeah. now it looks like those robots you see on TV shows that just don't have faces. Like they soon they will move. It's great. Yeah, we're going very Westworld. Yeah, we're, we're about to hit Westworld. We will soon have androids like going, this is what the clothes look like when I walk in them. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to have running mannequins. Yeah, and they'll talk to you. They'll just walk around the store wearing the clothes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh God. What, walk around them. What terrifying future have we created <laughs> Oh, my God. This dystopian nightmare. Oh, my God. Maybe, that's, maybe we just drop everything and start making that as a business, because I think there's money in it. There's money in, I'm like, sure. running mannequins. <laughs> yeah, I'll just need a £100,000 deposit from each of you before we start. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> John, oh, I'm excited to see what you can do with robotics with 200 grand. <laughs> oh, if you didn't realise, this is a scam, Bobby. You'll never oh, see me again. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you played the long game on me. <laughs> Not that long. It's been like a year and a half. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Feels longer. Just, oh. <laughs> oh, he cut me deep. Oh, it's cold burn. He never will meet me at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, Leah, mm. do you have any advice for somebody perhaps entering the industry now? Mm. I've made advice. that so serious. I'm so sorry. Oh, gosh. I think that's like, I think what we just spoke about is really important. Like having that job where you're perhaps surrounded by people who are in the same world as you. I think for me, it was really lovely to see people auditioning and people that perhaps have been trying for a really long time and they get their first dream job after a year of trying and being like, okay, so I've gone into this audition and I didn't get it, but don't give up because actually it's just happened for this person. The right job came along at the right time and now they're in the West End or they're going on a tour or they're going on a cruise. So I think for me that I feel like that's really, really important and to not put all of your expectations on each audition that you do. And somebody once said to me, which I think has like stayed with me, it's like your chance to go in and show your work, like go in and show I've been working really, really hard on this song or this monologue or this dance or whatever it is. And it's your chance of actually just being like, this is my work, this is what I do and I just want to show you what I can do. And I think for me, that's like this person has worked consistently and they're amazing. And I think that that, once she said that to me, I was like, oh God, that's such a great mental attitude to auditions. Um, So yeah, my advice would absolutely be to get that job where you're surrounded by people who do what you do and whether that's front of house or if it's retail or I don't know, there's a million jobs that actors do, isn't there, that perhaps... You find that community. I love that. Mm. <laughs> we get such great advice from people. We do. <laughs> I, I wish young clicked. me had this advice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, honestly, I'm like, mm, I could have really, could really used this. <laughs> that would have been ideal. Yeah. <laughs> There's been some that if young, me, if young me heard, I'd have been like, oh, that would literally change my life. Mm. <laughs> like, good, good, good. Uh, now, uh, another question. Mm. Oh. I'm not sure what oh. the answer to this is. Oh, no, God. But 
have you managed to successfully lie to us? No. I've been thinking for ages, I need to slip in this lie, but then we've been speaking about such important things. I can't lie. Because yeah. <laughs> I got to this and I was like, I don't think, no. I don't think it's in there. I, I was like, like, I don't think there was a lie. Perhaps the dance GCSE was a lie because I have a feeling that was A-level. But an unintentional it's a very, one. It's very unintentional and perhaps kind of dull. <laughs> they, <lie>. they don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> We've had all kinds of lies on this. We've had some terrible lies. <laughs> <laughs> Even ones when it's like, ah, I was 11, not 12. <laughs> That's actually true. That happened. That's, yeah, that was like yeah. last week. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Um, yes, what would your lie have been? Because you planned one. <laughs> stupid, very stupid. Excellent. I was going to say I ran a marathon in flip-flops. It was a oh. very silly thing. I thought we maybe would get onto the subject of running because that's a bit of a new love for me. I say Ooh. love, love, hate sort of relationship. You know, when you get up and you're like, I hate the fact that I'm getting up and putting trainers on, but I know I'm going to love how I feel after this. Um, so, yeah, I thought we might cover that topic and uh, probably be Let's cover it right now. What sparked this love of running? Well, this love and hate of running? <laughs> I think it was like the summer was just such a beautiful summer. Mm. And I was like, I need to be outside. I don't want to be in the gym because actually, I, I love it and my housemate's a trainer and he's absolutely brilliant and I think he would take me to the gym with him and we'd work out and it feels so good but I also felt like my partner loves running and we started doing the park runs and for me it was like I've never been a runner really perhaps a little bit when I worked on the ship just because you know you had so much spare time I would go to the gym quite a lot but for me, going to these park runs, and initially it just started like, oh, I'll just look after the dog and kind of jog along at the back. And then suddenly I was like, this is so fun. And like, I would advise anyone who perhaps loves running or even just like loves that kind of community feel or getting out on a weekend, that the park runs are just so much fun. Um, I was recently introduced to park runs, I said recently, you know, a couple of years ago by mm. Maddie's dad. But for people who don't know, could you tell us what they are? So park runs are an international, it's a kind of an international um, event that happens in most towns. There's certainly one close to most people, I'd probably mm. say. Even in tiny villages. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're at nine o'clock every Saturday and it's just a 5k run. Um, you can walk at the back, you can sprint at the front you can run with your dog you can run with your baby you can you can absolutely do the park run however you want it's absolutely free and everyone is welcome and I think we've been going to the Wimbledon one and the Tooting one and then I've also done the one down in my little hometown of Weymouth and it's just such a nice way to kind of start a Saturday um with absolutely no pressure and I just I really enjoy it I I Honestly, I feel like so many events say those things, like they're inclusive and you can, you could run with your dog or you can run with your baby in a pram, but you never actually see that many people do it. Mm. But with park run, like my experience is you do. Like yeah, you, absolutely. Know, you get all these amazing people. The last one I did, there were like people like, oh, we're here from, I can't remember where in America, but yeah. they're from America. And they're <laughs> like, yeah, we're like, we're, we don't really run, but mm. we'll, we'll give it a go. And, and it's this wonderful community of people that are just there like, because they want to do this thing for fun. Mm. And there are some people who are like, I want to improve my yeah. 5K personal best yeah. alongside people who are in a wheelchair or, or running literally with babies in prams yeah. just because it's a nicer thing, way to start their Saturday, as you said. And it, it's really, really lovely. And they do these like t-shirts when you run like 25 races, you can buy like a, hey, I've done 25 and 50 and 100 mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And so when you're there and you see these people wearing like a black t-shirt with 100 on it, you're like, you've done this a mm hundred -hmm. times. Yeah. Like it's a fast, more. It's incredible, cool. isn't it? Yeah. And it's just a wonderful community and it's free. Like mm. that's yeah. the best thing about it. It's free because obviously paid event runs are normally 
expensive, quite expensive sometimes, aren't they? Yeah. But it's this charity that runs this amazing thing. I think they do some amazing stuff. I'm so happy you brought them up because um, I don't think we've had a chance to speak about them before. No, I don't think we have spoken about pop runs before. But they are glorious. Mm. Yeah. And I def- so you go, no, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, I've never really been somebody who has enjoyed running on my own. Mm. Like I get a bit bored and I'm like, I listen to a podcast and I or I listen to some music and then I'm like, okay, now I'm, I can feel that I'm in pain and I'm out of breath and it would be much easier to just stop and go and get a coffee. Yeah. So I feel like doing a back run <laughs> is something that for me, I'm like, no, I'm just going to run with these lovely people and listen to their conversation or talk with these people or like these kids that are running along next to me. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's such a lovely thing to do with your family every Saturday. Mm. So I think that for me is like my little motivation to just keep going um, because, yeah, running on my own, I get a bit... Get a bit bored. Yeah. Yeah. And they have these lovely volunteers at like certain points in the race that yeah. are like, you can do it, keep yeah. going. And they're like so genuine and they're so yeah. smiley. Every single one I've been on, they're like, you've got it. And you're like, oh, maybe I do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Can I stop and chat to you? Yeah. <laughs> you seem nice. But yeah, I, I, you're, you're so right. But I, I wonder, I feel like everybody hates running until they do more of it. Mm, you're and so then, right. And then they, they sort of... It's the challenge of it that makes it rewarding mm. rather, uh, you know, so, I'm sure someone somewhere is like, no, I love the process of running. Up. <laughs> like there'll be someone really just to be the contrary. <laughs> yes, and my knees feel excellent. <laughs> but, but like, I think for the majority of people you go, oh, I kind of love it because of everything around it. And mm. obviously it has tons of benefits mm. that are, that are, you know, outside of that. But um yeah, community is a great one. Community is a huge thing in fitness. Like I think it's, I think as we've, come out of the other side of the pandemic, I feel it's become even more important mm. having a community of fitness, having a community of running. Like it's, it's, it's great. It makes yeah. it so much easier. Yeah. People that can be together again. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> uh, community. <laughs> Do you, I find we've very quickly forgotten the privilege that we, we have of even being in the studio today. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. Like that that's become normal. I've just come back from Germany. I came back from Germany yesterday. Yesterday? Two days ago. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> two days ago. And, you know, I was on that flight going, it was like a year ago that this wasn't allowed. Mm. And everyone, if we were in a space like that, would have been not only masked up, but also terrified. Yeah. It's quite likely. Yeah. And now, you know, people are there coughing on each other and doing whatever they want to do, <laughs> casually sneezing across a plane. Um, but it, it's, <laughs> it's all gone out the window. <laughs> yeah, and it's like we've entirely forgotten as a as a culture. We've gone, God, that was traumatic. Let's forget about it. Put that in a box. <laughs> and never deal with it. We don't talk about it. Super healthy. Well, our liar, liar tally, Bobby, remains, uh, remains drawn, drawn at 5-5. Oh. Five, five. We've had <laughs> yes, we're so only on five, many five. guests. We're, we're, the next episode we record uh, for this will be episode 51 when this comes out, I think. I'm not sure. This 53. is episode 53. Okay, 53. So by this point, we will have had, what, 26, seven guests. And, and, and only, five, ten have, <laughs> only 10 have either managed to lie or we've correctly guessed. So um, it gives you an idea of... <laughs> Of, oh, I felt it's been strong. I'm so sorry that I wasn't able to lie to you. You should today. feel better Your about that. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't lie to us. Um, we have one final section that is okay. a bit of a surprise for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's a surprise for us too. Uh, yeah, it, it is oh, normally a bit of a surprise for Bobby. But um, basically, 
Do you remember in Friends where they did that quick fire question? Oh my God, yes. It's like that. Yes. This or that. This or that. Okay. I'm going to... There's a minute timer. I'm going to stick the timer on. Minute timer on the clock. And I'm going to fire through these and we'll get through as many as we can in a minute. Uh Okay. Just go with your gut. Ready? (laughs) Three, two, one, go. Eggs or bacon? Eggs. White bread or brown bread? Brown. US office or friends? Friends. Cardio or resistance training? Cardio. McDonald's or Burger King? Ooh. McDonald's. Singing or acting? Acting. Top hat or funny girl? Ah, top hat. <laughs> Yoga or Pilates? <laughs> Yoga. Family Guy or Love Island? Love Island. Oh, neither. At Family Guy. <laughs> Domino's Pizza or Papa John's? Uh, Domino's. Sport or dance? Dance. Alcohol or chocolate? Alcohol. Matching socks or mismatching socks? Uh, mismatching. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Marie or Adele? Oh, Adele. Game of Thrones or Glee? Game of Thrones. Book or e-reader? Book. Clean shaven or beard? Beard. Personal chef or personal stylist? Oh, personal chef. Guitar or piano? Guitar. Sexy body or sexy mind? Mm, sexy mind. Shower or bath? Shower. Running or yoga? Mm, yoga. Dogs or babies? Dogs. Snakes or badgers? Snakes. Theme park or water park? <laughs> Theme. Running or walking? Running. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Bobby or Stefan? <laughs> <laughs> 54 seconds oh, I feel like that's our first ever mismatching socks and do you know what response. I think I lied I don't think it is mismatching oh, I think, I think it one. came out but actually no I think I think I don't very often have mismatching so- socks but maybe you like the idea of it I think you? I like the idea of being so wild <laughs> such a free spirit yeah. I don't care about my socks yeah. I let the socks choose me <laughs> <laughs> if it's calling to me in the morning, that's the one. I, I, we've discussed this many times. It's one of our favourite ones: mismatching socks and matching socks. Where do you sit, Bobby? I'm a matching socks kind it's of guy. Same, same. I can't do it. I can't do it. No, I struggle. I think I do like a mismatching socks when they're like. You know the Lululemon ones? I worked in Lululemon for a while, yeah. so I really love my Lululemon socks. <laughs> I really, really do. And they have like live and love or sweat life. So I think in my head, I was like, I actually wear mismatching socks a lot, but they actually go but together. They're ma- they're yeah, they're actually so they're, mm. I'm going to let you in on one weird thing I do all the time. Wonderful. I like to take off one sock when I'm at home. I like to Just walk one. around the house <laughs> with one sock on. That's a very contemporary dance review. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. I take off one sock. It's really strange. I feel like I know you even better now. (laughs) I think that could be added. One sock or two. One sock. (laughs) Everyone. I'm really happy you chose snakes. No. That really surprised me. me. Yeah. Snakes or badgers? I like that. I think badgers... mm. Badgers are mean. Badgers are evil. Yeah. I feel like I don't have very good... Yeah, associations yeah. with badges. And we should explain, Marie or Adele mm. are the names of the two <laughs> stepsisters in Cinderella, in case people know. And you covered both parts, right? I covered Adele. You covered Adele, so that's yeah. why. Yeah. That's why you were like, Adele. Yeah. Adele. Sorry, forgive me. I thought you, you thought you did both, so I put, put them in as a little question. So that's an easy one, actually. That was a very easy one. Ah. Although I love the character of Marie. She's a funny character. So... Mm. <laughs> they, were, they were both Ooh. great they, they were, were both great uh, it was fun watching you in that show <laughs> well, was I on when you came? no you weren't you weren't you weren't but I was in the yes. ensemble you were you were present I was present <laughs> you were present <laughs> well thank you so much for oh, joining yeah. us thank you so much for having me it's been a joy it, ha- it has been a pleasure been Bobby, you mentioned uh, what Leah's about to be in very very soon I did a top hat at the where? Mill at Sonning. Mm. Yes. So book, Which is a beautiful venue. Book your tickets. Amazing venue. Book your tickets now. And thank you at home for, of course, listening to us or wherever you are. Yeah, you might be in the shower, 
<laughs> might be on a run. Might be on a run. You might be on a park run. Oh, let us know if you're listening to this on a park run. Yes. That would be cool. That would be very cool. Um, if you've enjoyed the episode, as always, it'd be awesome if you could give us a old click on the old like and subscribe button. Maybe even leave us a review or share us on social media. So many options. We are at fit2 underscore talk on Instagram. And if you've got any questions you want answered by us, we love answering a question. You know what to do. Slip slide into those DMs. I will be there in one sock waiting for you. <laughs> oh, all the jokes that have come to me are not okay. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. And if you like what you've heard, we've been fit to talk with our guest, Leah Harris, and me, Stefan. And me, Bobby. And if you didn't like it, we've been Joe Wicks. Peace out. <laughs>